So my oldest broke her arm. So she is <laughs> recovering. They're gonna, she's going to make it to the party. Um, she's tough. She's tough. <laughs> she's really tough. This is her third arm break. Yeah, yeah. Different spots, different arms. Proud of her. She just knows how to do it. So I've literally, I, I think I broke one bone my whole life. She's on three in eight years. So she's, she's crushing. That's what I'm talking about. She's tough. Really tough. The littlest baby had a fever all week. She's recovering. So we, we are, uh, we're going to do half the day. They're, they're going to come to the party this afternoon. But they all say hello. And we miss them. But they're doing good. Well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit. And it's pretty cool. This is the last sermon of the year. This is the last get-together of the year. And so it's a real, like, an obvious point for us to kind of Let's think a little bit about the major and main things that happened this last year. Um, I'd encourage all of you guys at some point, whether it's throughout the service or just on your own time, I'd encourage all of you guys, take a minute, sit down, and just be intentional to review the, the highs and lows of the year. Not just the highs, the lows. Consider what was so intensely low about the lows and go, should it have been as low? Was it as serious as it felt? Um, and if it was, you, where, where am I today? And how thankful am I today because of that, having gone through that season? I think it's really important that um, life just goes so, it just goes, like it keeps moving really fast. And there's a lot of, lot of experience and time that, that just kind of flows by like a river. It's so easy to just continue forward and be engaged forward and not appreciate like anything that's flowed by. Usually it's like, I have so much in front of me, I have to stay engaged, which is really healthy and really good. Like 99% of our focus should be forward. That's where we should live. But there's also a, a real wisdom that comes with, with looking back with an appreciation, looking back to consider the good Looking back to consider the, the conquests, the good and, you know, the, the things we've done with God's help, the things he's done for us. And so 23 is over. Like, 23 is over. It's, we've, it's a whole year. That went really, it's, it's a good thing. This is our, about our second year almost as, a, as kind of a new relaunched church. That's really exciting. There's so much growth and difference, say it that way, from where we were and who we are. And so just, I would encourage you guys do that with yourself. Like, and some of you are journalers, some of you like to write things down. That's a good practice too. But to kind of recap, like, these are some awesome milestones if I think of it in that way. That's healthy for you. That's really a healthy thing to do. So consider it, do it, it'll be good. When you catch up to me and you've got five kids, you can write, I caught up to Vince in that year. It was the all-time goal. And uh, finally, finally I've done it. Nobody's even close. None of you. Not even close. Got a long way to go. Um, but we, we did that. We are, we are out of baby mode, officially. All right, let's go to our slide number one. Today is a good day. Um, today is a good day. Psalms 100. Oh, wait, go back, go back. The beautiful clarity of joy. All right, so before we launch into this psalm, I think we may have talked about this passage at some point, if not in total, Definitely in part, I, I wanted to think about what probably would amount to maybe a major theme or major kind of foundational concept for us as a church. And I wanted to just kind of spend more time on it today. And Joy, obviously, we renamed ourselves Joy House this year. Uh, one of our home groups focused completely on Joy as a, as a foundational like text. Oh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> It had a good effect. They're happy about it. That's good. And the, re the rest of you are like, I don't know. It's, like, it's just quiet. <laughs> Everyone else. It, and it, it, it is, it's such an interesting thing to actually focus in on that concept. It's not something our culture does. It's not something we, I think, instinctively do. But it's something God is trying to steer our attention towards. And I've been so mindful of, wow, I... I gotta work on this. It's not something that just arrives. 
It's not something that someday shows up and finally I'm introduced to it and it just hasn't been in the room. It's, it's like peace where it's like, we know what peace is, we know what that means, but we're really aware of the like, ebb and flow of it in and out of our life. And we're also aware that we can let it go out the door. We're also aware that like, when it comes, wow, we appreciate it, we feel it. Well, joy is a lot like this, it's the same thing. It's like when, it's in, when I'm around people, that's usually how we think of it, I'm around people, that make me joyful, I like that, and I'm, it's tangible. That's the simplest, most basic version of, like, how can you become aware of joy? It's like, well, what makes you feel alive and, and, and awake and joyful? It's much deeper than that. There's so much depth to it. There's so much depth to peace. There's so much depth to all the fruits of the Spirit and what the, the Lord can do in our life. If we slow down to pay attention to it and become aware of its its availability, its activity, its hold on us or, or expression through us, if we slow down and go, is this part of who I am, like really part, I think we become aware that there's so much I could do to encourage its growth in my life. And so for me, I wanted today to focus in on joy again as a cornerstone of what we've been endeavoring to do in 23, and as a cornerstone of who we're committed to become in 24, and for all of us, I'll just say this, you're off the hook if you don't feel like I've become joyful in 23. That's a good assessment to make. Am I a joyful person, like sincerely? Not did I have some joyful moments. Am I a joyful person? That's a really, really healthy, good question to ask. And if you say, I don't think so. <laughs> or if you turn to your neighbor and you go, am I a joyful person? And you go, just don't answer it. Just don't answer it. Don't, don't be honest. Just, just nod and tell, say yeah. If you know what their answer might be if they were 100% honest and you don't, you're not excited about that answer, that's okay. It's okay. It's the same kind of okay as if I were to say, are you peaceful? And you go, well, you know, seasonally, momentarily, like, I had, I had a peaceful day in 23. <laughs> like, I remember it. Like, the first, the first step towards this is like, are you even conscious of the evidence of the kingdom of God in your life? Or are you just going, you know? And I, and I think for you to be intentional around what is my role in the kingdom of God? What, what are the, the major evidences that the kingdom of God is being carried out in and through me. If, if you go salvations, people are getting saved around me. That is, that is a very good measure, but I'll tell you guys, that is one small, small sliver of what it looks like to carry the kingdom of God into a, a world. And if I was to tell you, you have permission to say, Am, is joy like springing up around me or are seeds of joy being planted? If I was to say that is evidence of the kingdom, you're, you're on the right track if you can start to be aware of joy in your life. If I was to say the same thing of peace, you guys follow what I'm saying? Like if you go down the list of the fruits of the Spirit and you say, are you planting these things? Are you reaping these things? Is there evidence of these things around you? And you say, well, yes. In some relationships, in some instances, yes, I'm starting because I'm more intentional around these points, I'm starting to actually see them show up, or at least I'm aware that they're not there. You start to see evidence or lack of evidence of the kingdom for lack or evidence of these things. And so for us in 23, I, I, I think back to Rodney Hogue being here and him talking to us about the idea of the kingdom of God is us being salt and light into the world where we're going and we're changing the nature of the experience of those around us. There's beautiful expressions that are the simple expressions that we've all, we're all very conscious of where it's salvation is, is comes, healing comes. There's the physical, tangible, radical change. But realizing that we're all on a, on a continuum of experience of the kingdom, where some are here and some are here. And he gave, I think, a beautiful illustration of that. And just for us as a church to realize joy is a measure that we can take hold of and 
value on the same level as any of the other evidences of the kingdom. And if we can actually have that value system and we can begin to measure joy in our own life and we can measure joy in the lives of those around us, I think we would start to realize there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's actually a lot of evidence that God is working in me because I feel joyful. I see joy in the people I know I'm called to bring joy to. That's amazing work of the Holy Spirit in me and through me. And I think that we'll start to realize he's using us. It's working. It's good. And of course, guys, it's never to discount the obvious of introducing people to the kingdom of God, introducing them to Jesus, introducing them to the word. But there's a, there's a call for all of us who are sent into the world to really carry the fruits of the kingdom, to look for them, to open our eyes for opportunities to share them, and then celebrate when they're there. And so for us in 23 as a church, I look at this group and I go, is there more peace and is there more joy? Because those are, the, those are the ones that God says, like, focus in on these. And I know you guys, and I know there is more peace and there is more joy. It's true. It's really true. Now, it's not 100% peace 100% of the time. You guys know that. And it's not 100% joy 100% of the time. But there is this, this well inside of you guys that I'm, I'm beginning to see filling up to where when you have to draw on it and it seems like the level of water or joy or peace gets low, it's not out, it's not gone, it's, it's used and, and there's an awareness that I need to build it back up. I know that my health is evidenced by my peace, my health is evidenced by my joy and I'm contending for it or I'm, I'm trying to keep the right mindset around it. This is a advanced, healthy kingdom life that all of you are endeavoring to go down. And it's, it's evidenced here when you walk in, when we worship, there's, there's smiles on our faces. We're not scouring when we're worshiping. Like, this is so, God is so good. I'm like, this is so serious, he's so good. We just, we're martyrs and he is king. Like, like no, no, our lives are pretty good right now. He's really rich and I'm his son and daughter. And there's an awareness of his kingdom manifest in our lives. And I'm so thankful because I see it. I see it on you. And so I'm celebrating while I'm talking. Like I'm celebrating the evidence of change in your lives. And, and all of us are progressing in that. And, and my, my goal in life is to be able to carry myself like Jesus carried himself, where he walked into environments that were celebrating him and environments that were denouncing him and attacking him. But in all instances, he carried the kingdom with him, and he never wavered in his clarity about who he was, what he was called to do, and the effect the kingdom would have on everyone around him. He never compromised on that. And so that's, for me, my goal for you. You can carry joy, you can carry peace. It's happening. There's greater hope, there's greater evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And so for you in 24, I want to point us towards celebration of the evidence of the kingdom happening in our lives. And as I, I really believe, as we begin to celebrate the things that we do see, we'll begin to see that much more. We really will. I think there's a, a, a thing that happens when we're celebrating God, maybe sometimes even in, in advance of the full expression of his promises in our lives, where he goes, wow, great faith, great appreciation, great attitude towards the things I am doing. Let me pour some more into that life. And so really excited about where we're going in 24, but today is a good day. Psalms 100, the beautiful clarity of joy. Let's go to the first slide. Okay, I want to begin with the end. So there's five verses in Psalms 100. It's, it's a short psalm. I really like those. So like when it's like time to go to bed, I'm like, I got to do some reading. I go to Psalms 100. It's five verses. I can get through it and go right to bed. It feels good. End of my day with the Bible. Sometimes when I'm in a rush, I'm like, I'm not going to read the long ones. I'm going to read a short one and feel like I accomplished something. I, just, I shouldn't have said that because I know. None of you know what I'm talking about. 
None of you are like that. You have no obligation like I do. All right, anyway. So there's five verses in Psalms. We're going to begin with the last verse, and, I, and I'm doing this with intention. So let's read this. It says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. I'm beginning with the end because if I was to ask you this question, the recitation you would give is absolutely this is true. If I was to ask you, is this true? You would all say, absolutely, yes, it's true. Like good Christian men and women. You would say, yes, it's true. And if I was to ask you, do you feel like this is true at all instances in your life? Do you feel like this is true? The true answer would be absolutely not, no. I don't always feel that way. In fact, life constantly asks me to question the truth of this statement. And for us, as human beings, we're put in this situation where we're introduced to God at some point, where we become aware that he is the author and finisher of this whole creation thing. He's also the one that calls us into relationship with us, with him. And we're, we're put into a situation where we're aware of that greater truth, that there is a God, that he was a creator, and that, man, he created a lot of amazing, wondrous things. But then we're asked to consider our own experience in light of that truth and choose to agree with the greater truth about who he is, maybe over some of what our experience might be telling us in that day, in that season, or in that time. And so when I say I want to begin with the end, I want to point your attention to where this psalm is taking us to a point of declaration and kind of authoritative announcement that God is good. No questions, there's no qualification, there's no sometimes he might kind of vary from his goodness. There's no version where it's like God is somewhat good or a version where he's good to some and not others. No, the truth of who he is is he's good. But I'll tell you, it requires a journey for us to get that into our hearts to a place where it overrides everything else, all right? And so I just want to, I want to point you here. This is where we're going. For the Lord is good. Here's some reasons for his goodness. He's steadfast in his love. His love endures forever. And he's faithful to all generations. If you can say that with like absolute confidence, really mean it, if you can start your day with it, if you can face hard circumstances, and instead of engaging in those circumstances and then looking around going, where's God? Like, where's God? It's like before you engage, you step back and you go, oh, this is gonna be a tough one. I see it, it's coming at me. It's loud and ugly. It's gonna cause me to feel all kinds of ways. Before I engage and get it all over me, I'm gonna make the declaration the Lord is good, and he's faithful, and his faithfulness endures. Now let's see what I have to do with this circumstance. And I'll tell you, most of us, if we're, if we're human, we're usually wrestling with circumstances and looking up for him. And I want, to, I want us to get to a point where we are declaring his goodness, seeing it as big as it truthfully is, it's really fun to start with astronomy class and just go up into outer space and go, this is unbelievable. Like the truth of a God who could create all of this and put us, these small little people, in this unbelievably vast space. This is amazing. This is a bigger story, a bigger picture than I could ever like, get in my head or write down on a page. If I can carry that awareness into my circumstances, my health, my joy would be much more firm. All right, so this is where we're going. Let's go to the next slide, and we're going to work our way to number one, or the end. So verse one, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. All right, this is what the psalmist is declaring that we should do. I want to I put this caveat on this whole talk. I want to say we caught the psalmist on a good day. He's pretty happy as he's writing Psalms 100. 
You guys have read a lot of Psalms, and they're like, where, oh, where are you? <laughs> like, have you forgotten that I exist? I know you're out there. Hello, hello. Like, that's the nature of a lot of the Psalms. This Psalm is a Psalm that catches the writer, the author, when all things feel good. Okay? So there's, there's my qualification. So he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Let's go to verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. I want to I I spend time here, and I know we have before. I want to spend time here because I feel like this is not just an important idea. This is a foundational cornerstone idea. It has to be in order for you to have joy in your life. There is no version of you that exists with a full, mature version of joy that doesn't understand this voice, this voice, this verse. I have a speech impediment this morning. All right, I'll move on. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Why is this important? It's not about song service. It's about posture of heart. It's about understanding the relationship between his presence and my actions. See, I think that for all of us, we, we, we can sometimes dream about a day where Jesus appears to us in a way that's really tangible and, and kind of comes alongside us in a way where I've admired heroes because of their closeness to God. They, they have dreams, they have stories where Jesus himself angels, different things, different aspects of the heavenly host come, and there's a partnership there that evidences, wow, that life is something else. Like, there's something about that man or woman where God has chosen a relationship that is way beyond just a textbook and, and hope. There's, there's a responsibility we have if we want that kind of life. And it's right here. It's simple, but there's a complication to it because life is so loud and, and dramatic at times, so intensely like real. Our ideas, our, our thoughts can so, so dominate our lives. There's something about this expectation that God has that will define you or not. And so when we're talking about this end result of God's goodness, this overarching truth. The psalmist starts here. He's like, you guys need to praise him, declare his goodness. But this, this equation is something that you can't leave this room without. It's worship the Lord with gladness. Another version says joy. We'll look at that in a second. Come into his presence with singing. All right. This presence part is the part I want you guys to leave with today. This is your opportunity in life, in all seasons or circumstances in life. And so if things are wonderful, I feel like we have a lot of clarity on this. If we feel good, if we're upbeat, if things are going our way, it's easy for us to celebrate God. And then there's this strange correlation. I feel like he's with me all the time. Things are going so well. It's like, my money's good, my friends are nice, I have a good job, or at least I think I do. Everything feels like it's lining up, and man, God is great, he's right here. Yes, that's how we are when we're, when we're little, when we're two, when we're three, when we're four. But when we're 10, 12, 20, and we're, we're suddenly aware that things might not always go and be the way that we had hoped they would, it's so, so common for us to allow those, those questions about what's going on in our hearts and around us, our circumstances, to dictate this relationship of praise and joyful thanksgiving. You see, I think it's something for us to have the opportunity, only while we're here on earth, to celebrate God while under duress. There's no duress in the afterlife. When we die and we're in heaven, there's, there's no wars. There's no, like, conquest for my affections and attentions. It's, it'll be really obvious. I'll be there with God. 
we'll be able to see him in a way to where it just eliminates all questions about what should I do here or what should happen here. You're with the king. It's really easy to, to know what the king is about and what he's doing. But there's this season of our lives where we're here and we're, wow, it's really raining. That's good. There's a season of our lives where we're here and we're really subject to the things that are going on on earth. It's hard here at times. And, and if we look at it in the way that while I'm faced with many opponents, many things that are trying to pull from my true affection, my true attention on God, if I see those as opportunities, not just I'm in the middle of a war and I can't get my head up to even see that God's big and real, but if I realize day after day that while I might feel like I'm contending for the truth of his goodness, that is a real testimony to my effort towards him. This is actually a real opportunity for me to celebrate his goodness from a place where there's a lot of things that should tell me that I, it's not true. And so you ask yourself, well, what's the value of that? Is it just to like talk myself into feeling better? Is it like a, psych, like a psychological thing where it's like, no, things are good. Things, it's like that cartoon where it's like everything's burning around the cartoon. He's like, think, everything's fine. Like that, that, is, is it that kind of circumstance where you're just a cartoon character trying to kind of will yourself into a better day? No, no. There's a spiritual currency that God has established, and it's called faith. And when we act from a place of faith, we're giving God something that we won't be able to give him when we're gone, when we've transitioned over. You say, well, what could I give God that's of worth, of value? It's not your money. It's not even truthfully your time, because he, he doesn't really need you to sit there with him. It's more these acts of faith on this earth that he's decided are the measures of, of real good things that humanity can give to him. And so when circumstances are hard, you're challenged in your, in your understanding, you're challenged in your feelings, you're challenged in these things, and you decide to turn and go, God is good in spite of what I'm feeling and pulled by. You're doing something that God will remember for eternity. And you, when you get to heaven, will be able to sit and go, wow, what an amazing life I lived where I continued to turn to him. I didn't realize in those seasons all of those enemies were working against that act of faith. And I'll tell you, in this season of life, if you find yourself bombarded by different things that are, that are contending against that reality of he is good, there's things worth celebrating, I can have joy. If it's just that, those basics, but you find yourself at odds, constantly trying to stay in that mindset, I'll tell you, you're fighting a war that will not just affect heaven, where he's like adding up a, a little notebook of all the good things. There's this, this, this establishment of the kingdom inside of you that will not go away. And who's to say what that amounts to over time? on earth, in generations that follow you, or even in your own circumstance. I, I want you to consider this idea of sowing and reaping, that when I invest, and maybe I'm investing in faith by saying he is good, because my circumstance in this context doesn't amount to goodness, in my view right now. I just don't see it. And, you know, don't, don't discount the fact that this circumstance is real. This is actually an opportunity to sow from a point of challenge into a God that I have no way of sowing into other than my heart's expression of praise, gratitude, thanksgiving. It's really meaningful. It's meaningful in a way that you could probably never comprehend while we're here. But when I say, God, you're good, and I, and I say it in opposition to something that's saying he's bad, I'm winning a war in the spirit realm around me. I'm taking ground where if I repeat it, not just from a place of recitation, but from a place of intentional challenge, and I go, no, you will not, like, you will not take ground in my heart. I declare he is good regardless of what happens here, I am I'm taking 
this world for the kingdom of the Lord. I really am. And so for you guys, I want you to, I want you to realize this is the foundation of who we are trying to be. We're in Berkeley, California. We are surrounded by people who do not think that God is good. We're surrounded by a culture, not just in Berkeley, but California. Though I, I was in Texas, it's like everyone goes to church. I went to a 2,000-member church in a town of like 10,000 people. It's like, whoa, this is <laughs> crazy. Like, everyone goes to church. Everyone believes in God. Everyone says, you know, God is good. And they all, like, they're all Christians. Like, they're, they are healthy, like, functioning Christians. Like, they, they actually believe this stuff. We don't, we're not surrounded by that here. We're not. This is not normal here. We're, we are kind of contending for this ground here. And I think that if you guys get called on assignment to go to a place where, where it's more normal to be a Christian, you'll find that the, the wars you've been fighting in your mind really calm down because they're not wars there. Like, this is a different territory here. And so for some of us, I think we're often, like, the, the intention of the enemy is to accuse you of having a problem with God. You, sh you should have the same problem with God that I do. That's like the enemy's, like, constant attack on us. So you're constantly confused and challenged to agree with the most basic of things. The most basic things you find yourself considering, is it true or not? Is God actually good? Or is he waging war against poor people? Is he out to destroy and kill? And you find yourself coming into weird places of consideration. Maybe not full agreement, but you're constantly bombarded to challenge the basic principle that God is good. And it gets much more, like, there's, there's all kinds of streams off of that foundational thought, right? God is good is a core foundation, but then there's all these different streams of thought that you could take where, well, he's good to his people, he's good to some, but you're getting further and further into lines of like degradation of the truth of his goodness. The overarching theme is look at the sky, look at the worlds that he's created, look at the opportunity he's given humanity. Whoa. <laughs> That was not Michael. Mike, that was not nobody. That's awesome. We have a guard dog now versus the other dog that was here two weeks ago. I like it. Seriously, like two weeks ago, there was like a wolf walking into the room. And he turned and went. I was like, this is not going to be good. I'm not going to be able to stop a dog like that. Um, I, want you to be, I want you to be aware. I want you to understand when the psalmist goes, you, you should worship with joy. He's actually telling you these are weapons that cause the environment to change so that his presence can come. Because you're responsible for the environment you're in. You have authority for the environment you're in. It's really important that you learn that my home is a place where God's presence should be all the time. If I find myself bombarded with anxiety, fear, lust, questions of God, questions about everything in my own home, I need his presence here. Because when his presence is here, I don't feel like I have to wrestle with all these questions. But it's true, you can open the door for things to come into your home to where you're, you've invited spirits in through your own agreement or activity we worship, his presence comes, those things have to go away. We oftentimes, like I've, I know my history, I love worship services because it feels like I can just talk to him and I can hear him. I remember years where I would just look forward to worship service because I'd hear his voice. Every time I'd worship, I'd like stop singing and he'd talk to me. And, I'd, and I, was, I was like, that's when I hear from God when I worship. And it's it's true because there was no distractions. There was nothing, nothing that I was warring against personally had authority to be in that space where we're all celebrating the king and his, he's here. So we have strength together. But realize you're supposed to find yourself with that access to God every day of your life. That's his idea for you. But understand, I have to take authority and make room for him in these different arenas. You say, well, I'm great at home. Things are cool. I go home, it's peaceful, 
feel good. I make good decisions. I feel good. But when I go to work, I just, oh, it's rough. So that means there's some warfare at work. I need to bring his presence with me. I need to declare his goodness. I need to celebrate and show evidence of peace and joy to my coworkers, my friends, my, my whatever. You guys get the environments you're in. And if you work from home, I don't know what to tell you. It's going it's to be tough. <laughs> It's going to be tough. I don't know. It's like people on the screen. I don't know. I got to, I got to command people on the screen. Be peaceful. You're, you're messing up my day. I don't know. Um, we have an opportunity for his presence to come with us, but it's really about our worship and our praise. And so he says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Push, push the next slide for me, Alex. It's going to be the same verse in a different translation. This is the Passion Translation. One more time. It says, as you serve him, I like, this, I like that little qualifier, as you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy. Same verse, different translation, different emphasis. But I, I love this idea, as I serve him. Not just in the moment of worship, because I think you can read this passage and go, oh, this is about worship service. It's about like entering his gates with thanksgiving. It's quite, like, this is about what we do when we come together to worship. I, it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It's, it's about us in our hearts and our lives walking in a way where we are actually commanded to be glad. Be glad. Like, be glad. Be joyful. Be hopeful. Be celebratory. That is a directive of the person that's writing this. Be glad and worship him and sing your way like get into his presence with singing with joy. So the, the onus of this verse is on us to be choose gladness, choose worship, choose singing, and choose joy, all so that his presence will be there. And I think if we think of, I think if we're if we're if we have the wrong mindset, we'll think, oh, his presence is there, then I sing. His presence is there, I have joy. His presence is there, I can feel glad and happy. And that's true because those are the fruits of his spirit, his presence. So when he comes, it's like another wave of that comes and it feels so good. But there's, there's this responsibility we have to actually choose those things regardless of the circumstance and realize that, oh, like is attracted to like. He enjoys when he comes into joy. He enjoys when he comes into peace, celebration, singing. Yes, he's also like the motivator for it, but understand you can change the environment and you can bring him to, to you as a result of that choice. All right, let's look at the rest of this. Go to the next one. Know that the Lord is good. Oops, sorry. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Okay, so the last, like the main, you guys get the responsibility we have. The thing I want to really stamp you with today is you are so much more clear when you're joyful. You're clear in your thinking about God. You're clear in your thinking about decisions you make in life. You're clear about what relations you should keep and not keep. You're clear about hope and outcomes that, that may or may not come when you're joyful. When you don't have joy, when you don't have joy and you try to make life decisions, I'll tell you, it's a whole different conversation most of the time. If you are in a bad place, let's kind of say that generically, you're not hopeful, you're not happy, things aren't good, your, your way of assessing God, his will towards you, and just life in general is really compromised and affected. And I just wanna say it generically that way. I want you just to be aware that you have an opportunity to choose to walk with the Lord into great, great things. The best opportunity I think that anyone in any generation before you has had. I feel like God is revealing himself in such dramatic ways, like what we have in worship, what we have with his presence, what we understand about him in terms of the gifts of the spirit and all the, the basically like how much he's revealed to us as his people 
There's so much available to us to really walk with him to really great lengths. But I'll tell you, all of us are constantly given the opportunity to make choices and agreements with things that are contrary to him. Like that is the whole battle is will I agree with God and stay on that path or will I agree with anything else that may not be totally off the path but just enough to where I actually am not linked up arm in arm with him. And I want to remind you that, that you're, you're, challenged, you're challenged over and over to try to make agreements with things that are really just subtly and then eventually dramatically pulling you away from his best. And so to do the right thing, I just want to, I want to, I want to challenge you like the psalmist does. Set yourself up for success. Get his presence on a regular basis, not just on Sundays. Get his presence in your life. For some of you, it might say, I need to get into home, a home group where I have other people to support me. For some of you, I need to put worship music on and just, I, it works for me. Like, I, he comes, I feel it. Some, I need to read the Bible until he comes. Maybe it's a combination of all those things. You, you set yourself up for success. Don't build a life mission and life plan when you're having a bad day. <laughs> like, don't write down who you want to become and why. When you are out of money, you feel like everyone's against you, and this is just, I don't know what career I'm, I should even be in this job. Like, it, and you know it's a bad day to begin with. Get, get, your, get your perspective right about the bigger things. God's really good. He's really big. I'm his. He made me in his image. This verse says, Know that he is God and that he made us. So it's really, why, why would the psalmist talk about, he actually created me. Why is that valuable to say? Well, it's a reminder. It's like, celebrate God, he's good. Like, just worship him, choose joy. Oh, and know this, this is basically saying, know, and be sure, understand one thing, he made me. He cares about me. He hasn't forgotten anything. I'm his creation and we're his, and we're his people, and we're the sheep of his pasture. Another translation says, like, he, he, he gets a lot of delight in us. Like, he is looking out for us because he chose to. We're protected. We're his. It's a good reminder that he's never going to let us go. He's never going to let us, like, just wander off. It might feel in seasons like we're left to kind of figure things out for ourselves. It feels like, gosh, he really kind of sent me in this direction, and then Maybe a year or so later, I'm like, I think he sent me in this direction. I think this was him. Or maybe it's five years, and you're like, no, surely he wouldn't make me wait five years. I must have turned the wrong direction way back when. Just realizing, remembering, oh, no, no, he, he made me. He's my shepherd. Like, he actually, there, there, is, there is boundaries around how, how far I can go before he'll kind of make sure I continue to stay on the right, right places. I just need to remember he's good, he's big. I need to remember that he's faithful like from generation to generation. How can I, how can I remember? Well, I'm gonna worship him with some joy. I'm gonna choose to be glad. I don't know what glad means exactly. Just I think people laughing and celebrating and just like, I'm happy. Like I'm gonna choose to be happy about these Cheerios that are in front of me this morning. This is, this is nice, Cheerios are nice. Like I can just slow down Forget about the crazy expectations that I had and go, all right, there's a lot of reasons to be happy this morning. I'm gonna make sure this day has his presence with it. Like there's no part of this day where he's not gonna go with me because I in my heart am gonna celebrate that he's king over all this. You might have big presentations at work. You might have huge expectations. You might have finances that just don't make sense in that season, but you just go, you know what? This is gonna be a great story. I can't wait to see how he works all this out. He's really big, and he's mine, and I'm his. He made me, after all. Let's go to the last verse, verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is the one we always celebrate. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. We spent time on this when we did Moses' tabernacle. You, know, you, gotta, you enter closer to his throne room with thanksgiving and praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. And then let's look at the last verse. So let's end with the end. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations.
So that's where we started. So that's the, if you can consistently, not just recite that, but challenge the parts of your heart, your thinking, your patterns that might, might show that you're acting in opposition to that. The parts of your life where you go, I don't know. I just don't, you know, I don't feel like he is guiding me, directing me. I don't feel like there's reasons to celebrate or have joy. If you can challenge yourself to go, I might not understand it, but he will over time reveal himself to me, and I will understand that, that he is good in all things. Your heart will shift. Your posture will shift. You'll begin to act in a place of faith where you're taking ground, and then eventually he will reveal that he is good. I'm going to give you one example from my experience that I think it was really, really significant for me. God's goodness transcends our understanding. He, he looks for people who will agree that he's good in spite of their circumstance. This is a, this is a universal, universal truth. That not one of us will get through life where we don't have an opportunity to declare and agree that he's good in spite of a hard thing that's going on. It's an act of faith. It's something he looks for. It's part sometimes of our proving and test. Sometimes it's just part of our life that he's working through with us because hard things come our way. In my life, my mom, she was a wonderfully faithful Christian person. She started a Christian school, had tons of kids like basically off the streets that didn't, were either kicked out of schools. It was an inner city school. I taught there for some time. And it was a lot of students that were failing and, and really hard up in life, basically going into continuation programs, and, and she'd accept them into this Christian school, and they'd all get saved, and they'd all have like life-changing events. And so the, the school went from kindergarten all the way through high school at one point, and, and um, it's closed now. But she, she basically dedicated her life to a vision God gave her, like she was praying, and he's like, showed her a school. She had no teaching background, she had nothing. There's unbelievable testimonies of there's so many pastors that came out of that school so you look at her life and you go amazing faithful beautiful she worshiped like an amazing amazing worshiper she would dance at the altar and do things like that no one else was really doing she'd pray for people they'd get healed all kinds of cool stuff and she's just a beautiful lady well at 50 she got cancer and at 55, it came back after a year of chemo and things. And she passed away at 55. And so it was really, really hard for me. It was really hard to understand. It was obviously hard as a, like, this mom, that's hard. So let's set the, set the like, hey, this is hard. Your family member is passing. The hard thing that I experienced in that season was I don't understand God here. Like, you heal at times. She was really wonderful. <laughs> like, there was no like, opportunity for you to go, well, yeah, she deserved it. <laughs> she, she, she sowed seeds. She earned that one. No, 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 no. Like, that, was not, that wasn't there. It was like, how come at that age, I was like, I haven't even had babies yet. Like, she wanted grandkids. Like, like, so for me as a person, I was like, God, where are you? Like, where were you in her death? I couldn't find him. I was, when, when you're going through a circumstance like that, I knew God really well. I knew him to be good, but I couldn't find his goodness in that season. It was about six months of hospice care where, you know, she's healthy, functional, and then six months later she passes. And I was with her every day. And, and um, so I said, God, at a certain point, I said, God, I don't see your goodness in this, but I'm going to choose, because he was like silent. He talked to me about a lot of things, but he wouldn't talk to me about that. All he would say, and this, this went on a couple years, I'd go to him, and I'd start, start worshiping or praying or whatever, and then that question would come up involuntarily, because it was so loud in me. It was there, I'd, like, I'd, I'd do a good job at times of just like setting it aside, but there was like an accusation almost against him, like, where were you? Um, like, you could have changed these circumstances, and you chose not to, so where were you? And anytime that would come up, he would say these words, do you trust me? 
That's, that would immediately be his response. Not, I want to answer the question. It was, do you trust me? And I'd say, no. <laughs> I eventually got to where I'd say no. First, I was like, yes, of course I trust you. But after months of this, it was like, you know, that's actually a good question. No, I don't think I do. This is kind of rough. I don't really think I trust you. That's probably why I'm so bothered by this. It's not like I, you know, like she just got carted off into heaven and it was a nice day. And she's like, oh, see you later, Vince. I'm going to go to heaven. I was like really painful. There's a lot of pain in her body. Cancer is a really hard thing. Um, and I was like, God, where, where were you? And he'd say, do you trust me? He asked me, do I trust him for a couple years straight? And I, I went through, no, I don't. To, I'd like to. I want to. To, I do, but I have a lot of questions. To, yes, you're trustworthy. I do trust you. I don't understand. Starting to differentiate between, do I trust you as a God, and do I understand you? Those are different. And so for us, at times, our lack of understanding because life is complicated, leads us to a place of mistrust. We're only willing to trust if we fully understand. But God is bigger, life is different. It's not fully understandable in this finite time we're in. And so God asks all of us, are you willing to trust and agree that I am good in spite of what your experience is? And so for me, I'd say no, but he restored his relationship with me. And it was really broken out of that season. And I asked, I said, God, I don't trust you, but I want you to earn my trust back. I don't know if I had license to say that. And he said, good response, good response. And I will earn your trust back. And so over a period of time, he just started to show up in really tangible ways. It's like, you know, those fleece stories in the Bible where it's like, if you're out there and this is what you want me to do, do a miracle here, like make fire come down and burn that. And it's like, oh, well, I guess that was you. But how about you do this too? My life was that way for a season where it was like, you got to keep proving yourself to me even though you're proving yourself to me. You have to because I still feel shaky. It's not that I'm being manipulative. It's just I just don't feel good about you <laughs> right now. And eventually I got, without any understanding of that season, I got to a point where I said, I look at the heavens and the earth, I look at you as God and I know you're good. I don't understand all that happens here, but I do know that you're bigger than this and there will be a long story that I eventually learn where I'll see your goodness in spite of all these hard things I've experienced. And, I, and it really became true, that became true and I was willing to let go of understanding hard things and just actually agree in the nature and character of who he was. And then he says, okay. I was, in, I was praying one day. I was laying there, worship music. Things were good. Life was kind of back on track. I'd, I'd surrendered that topic to him. Some, some would say, like, if you have a topic that's just too big, put it on the shelf. It doesn't mean you throw it away or, like, hide it. You just put it on the shelf and say, God, come Help me with this in your time. I'm not going to hold this between us because I know we'll never get anywhere. You know, it's like, and you guys could use that point with your, your husbands and wives. It's like, I think we're disagreeing here on something. I can either just meditate on this with you and know that we're going to fight until we just can't fight anymore, or we can just go, hey, we love each other. Let's set this aside and let's kind of work on this over time. We're not going to let this one topic, as big as it feels, destroy the truth of who we are together. And so that's what God asked of me, and I did that, and I really did it. And it really like, settled in me that, okay, if I need to understand this, because it is a bigger human issue, it wasn't unique to my mom, it's kind of the human story, people die. People die hard in hard ways. There's violent things that happen all throughout the earth, and, and people always go, God's not good, see? That's the nature of kind of the simplistic response. But there's this other version where you go, no, God created all of this. It's much bigger than that one thing, not to devalue that one thing, but there is a bigger story here, and there's a lot more evidence that God is good than there is evidence that God is bad. So that core issue I had to wrestle with, and once I did, and I said, I'm not 
willing to let this define us anymore, because it did for a season. It's all we could talk about. And by, by we, I mean me. And he'd just listen and go, you ready to talk about something else now? And i go, okay. And he'd go, okay, now let me tell you about some other things. But even listening, when I was in that standoff with him, two other things was a challenge. But eventually, I surrendered because he's king, and I said, you lead the conversation. You lead the story. Maybe we don't fully agree that you're good, but I will follow you, and I do see a lot of evidence of your goodness. So let's go forward, even if you never resolve this. So eventually, he came, and he said, Vince, out of the blue, it wasn't my topic that day, it was his. He goes, I want to show you something. And I vividly saw, I was sitting with my mom on her deathbed, She's there, we were talking. She died, I think, the day later, the day after this. It was like I was replaying the movie. He was replaying it for me in my mind. And I saw my aunt walk in the room. My aunt, for that last month of her life, moved into the house and took care of my mom. My aunt is a foster, a senior foster care facilitator. She, she runs a home with five to 15 elderly people that don't have families, and she basically takes care of them until they die. So she's a senior foster care. I didn't know that, ex you know, you may not know that exists. There's a whole world of that. That's her life. She's given her life to do that work. She basically takes care of people until they die. Well, she moved into our house for that last period of time, and she cared for my mom, physically cared for her sister during that season. And so God's replaying this whole episode to me, and I see her walk in the room, and he says, Vince, you've been asking me for years where I was when your mom was dying. And he said, I was in her. I sent your aunt, and I cared for your mom every day until she passed away. Through her, I took care of you and your family. And it... it, it it washed over me in a way where I was faced with the hard reality of our, our life is short, but I, I saw his hands physically in the room with us. I saw him caring for us, not resolving every hard circumstance, not taking every pain away, but loving us and making it, helping us make it through what was a really impossible season. And then I was faced with this question, am I still good? Do you understand what my goodness can look like? Do you understand that you might not always understand results and outcomes, but if you choose to know that I am bigger and I will always take care of you and the outcomes may not be what you expected, but I am a good God who's worthy of worship in spite of your understanding, if you choose, then you can have a rich, full life. Then you can actually carry joy because you understand it's not just in this moment, it's all of our moments combined where my goodness shines through. And there will be a day when we sit with him in heaven and we look and we go, can, we, can, we, can you run me through my story? Like, can you run me through where you were? Like, give me a highlight reel or something. Like, walk me through my life. Remember, like, all the hard stuff that was so hard for me? Can you show me where you were? And he will. And he'll show you the times he healed your body and you didn't know it. He'll show you the times he, he sent other people to comfort and care for you and you didn't realize it. And, he's, and what he will also say is, remember you chose to worship me in that season? Remember you chose to enter my gates with thanksgiving and praise and you chose to be glad even though there was all those reasons not to, you were so mighty in your faith. You were so courageous in your hope. You were so faithful to do that. And so I just want you guys to understand this is the pattern and the nature of God. He will at times choose to do miraculous things through you. You'll heal people. You'll change their life instantaneously. Cancer can be can be eradicated in one prayer. He's done that, he does that. But there's these other seasons, there's these other moments where your understanding of what he's capable of may not like materialize. But just to know that I can carry the kingdom of God, I can carry peace and joy because I, I'm actually eternally his. 
Like he's the Lord, he's the Lord of all of this. And our time is so short together. It really is, it's, it's 80 years, plus or minus. It's really, really fast. And so for us to gain this understanding that I can, I can courageously choose to praise and celebrate. I can courageously choose joy, and that becomes a foundation. I'm relevant in every arena, suddenly. I'm capable of bringing the kingdom to every human being, suddenly, because I have a bigger perspective on what life can be and how big God is. And for you, I want you to carry peace and joy into 24. I want you guys to start to have an ability to let go of your control of understanding and to, to surrender your life to him in a way that says, I don't need to understand everything in order to walk with you, carrying a flag of celebration and praise. Like my life, people can look at me and go, alive, joyful, peaceful, and they don't see mother died of cancer. They don't, like, I'm not carrying a flag of pain. I'm carrying a flag of victory and overcoming. Since that, that season, I've got to see my mom in heaven like hundreds of times, which is a real gift that God has allowed me to have. And I really feel like part of that gift came because I surrendered that topic to him in a way where I said, I trust you with her life. I trust you with her importance to me. And he turned it around and said, I'm gonna give you way more than you ever thought you could get. She was there in like births of our kids. She was announcing that we'd have another baby at times. There's really special things. Like I had visions where she showed up and she had a baby in her hands and she's like, you're gonna get pregnant soon. I get like, and it's like, that's special. It's unique. It's just understanding. It's understanding there's a long story. If you choose faith, he can allow you to partner with and see into this greater realm of his goodness that, that weaves its way through all kinds of terrible circumstances. His goodness is there in Israel right now, caring for and affecting people. There, his goodness is in the divorces that are going on all over our country. His goodness is in the deaths that are happening. He, he figures out ways to care for, to love, to lift up, to ultimately, eternally affect lives. And so I want you guys, as you go into this next year, challenge your ability to bring celebration from a place of true authenticity to God. I can't do it, I'm, I'm concerned. Well, just figure out what it is that's so loud that you need to set down or set on the shelf or surrender. And just realize, I, I serve a God that's so beautiful and vast and big. He's worthy of my celebration. He's good. He's good. This doesn't all perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. He, he's perfect, though, because it's a long story for him. And he's going to take you guys into a great season ahead. All right. That was very, very good. That was, that was very good. That was very good. All right. Love you guys. All right. Let me pray, let me pray for you. I, want, I just want this more than anything else. I want it for every single one of you. I want you to have a maturity and authority to walk through anything with his kingdom in you on full blast, where it's like everyone that comes into your path is gonna be affected. Some of you are gonna get like anointings to where you can do all the power stuff, and it's like, oh, heal this one, heal this one. No, it's a, some of you are gonna have the peace of the Lord that just goes with you no matter what's going on. I think, I think it's for all of us, though. It's for all of us to carry the fruits of the kingdom everywhere. And so this next year is gonna be a big year. It's gonna be a good year. It's gonna be a joy-filled year, and you're gonna have the maturity and the vision to declare his goodness throughout the whole thing from start to finish. And so just agree with me today. I want us to do this. I want to agree that God was good in 23. I want you to think about 23, and I want you to celebrate his goodness throughout this year. You're here. That means you're, you're whole and he's still working in your life, and so there's nothing going on that he's not aware of, but I can look back and go, he was good, and I'm gonna surrender anything that I might not understand. I might not understand. So Father, I just ask for each one in this room that if there's any remnants of hard circumstances, whether it was in 23 or even prior in life, that they would be able to release them fully 
into your hands, that you understand us, you understand our lives, you understand what we need and what we don't, and you come in goodness over and over again. So we just celebrate that today. We want this church to celebrate you today, God. We celebrate with joy and gladness who you are, and we thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for working in us as a church this last year, and we're excited, God, about carrying joy and peace into 24. And Father, we just tell you we love you. We love you, and we're thankful for your goodness. And we thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody.